Asian Avengers. So weak. Avengers. So weak. So, weak. so, so, so fuckable, bro. You know? Whoa. Whoa. There's five Asian guys together. Wow. Together. Did you ever um, go through a stealing phase? Do I think everyone should have a gun? Maybe. But you can look me up. I don't care. I'll fight you. I don't care. You want to get high as well? You, you like opium? Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Asian, Not Asian Podcast, a podcast where two Asian guys not from Asia talk about American issues no American gives a fuck about. I'm your host, Fumi Abe. Hey, I'm Michael Nguyen. And welcome. This is our 49th episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yay. Uh, quick shout out to our studio and our network, uh, Canal Street Radio, Canal Street Market for having us, uh, and also Listening Party Network. So check those guys out on the Instagram, man. What's uh, what's good? How you been doing? How you coping post-Firefest documentary? Oh, uh, you know what? Okay. Okay, here, can I talk about that for a second? Yeah, of I haven't watched it because I'm afraid that I would side with the organizer. Because mm. anyone who takes money from rich white people, I'm like, that guy didn't do anything that wrong. Did he? Yeah, you know, I that's a very comedic angle. Good job. <laughs> but uh, it's sad because uh, a, a lot of local, um, I, I don't know, what the, is it Bohemian? Is that yes, what they, 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 the they didn't get paid. Okay, well, that's fucked and up. They, and one woman, a restaurant owner, um, she paid fifty thousand dollars of her own money. Oh fuck! It's and she went like it's just it's that part's very sad. But it's, everything else, when the white kids are struggling, it's, it's like it's not oh, a, it's oh. not a music festival unless people of color are fucked over. Though you that's know that's saying? true. That's, that's true. That, that's our sad about. our sad truth, man. So I haven't watched it, but I, I should check it out. Yeah, my heart goes out to all the white kids who suffered uh, <laughs> at the fire fest. Shout um, to Brittany. This has been an interesting week for me. I uh, I, I don't know if listeners anals. As anals. We call anals, Asian, not Asian listeners, anals. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys remember from a previous episode, um, but I had talked about auditioning for a part in HBO's Crashing. Yes. With Pete this Holmes. This was a while ago. It was a while ago, and I got the call back. I met with Pete Holmes. We did that's a chemistry. Crazy. I met, we did a chemistry read. Ooh, that's where you lost him. <laughs> no chemistry. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, you know, I was like, fuck, if I get this, the whole episode is about my character. So if I get this, it would be huge for my career, right? I wouldn't have to fuck around with Mike anymore. Yeah, yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. This would never happen. I would have just ended right away. So, you know, I, I didn't get the part, and it was fine. I was like, whatever. But then the episode finally came out last night uh, and my girlfriend was watching it and she kept sending me like videos of the thing and the episode is titled the guy's name the character's name yes um which they changed to the person who got the role i don't want to say his name he's very funny he is very deserving of this role and he's oh, he's also famous why don't so. you just say it i mean it's that's not like it's a secret. yeah you're right his name is jabuki yeah jabuki, jabuki i got it he's yeah. on the daily show he's with like yeah. ronnie he's yeah. yeah he's he's murdering killing it. it new york times just wrote like an article about how awesome he is just an article about how cool he is and that, that's it there's not even usually, news do you remember yeah. when they wrote about Hassan Minaj and they were like well he could have worked on this oh and that. yeah 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 but they didn't do that with Jabuki they are like this guy is just an all across A plus kind of he's comedian super funny it's very funny really good dude and just like seeing his scenes and like kind of rerunning the lines in my head just like fantasizing about like mm. oh my god like that could have been me because the whole point of that character is he Pete meets this character at, at a college. Then Pete's like, you should go on the road with me. They go on the road. They go to the comedy cellar. They audition. Pete doesn't get passed, but this character does. Right. And in real life, Jabuki got passed at the cellar. So because because of that. Because I, of that I, episode. Well, I, I think he would have gone past either way. I'm not sure if it was a directly directly right. related, but like he was there, you know, and I'm sure the people saw him there, you yeah. know. It's crazy. I mean, it is crazy. But I mean, the and and people shouldn't think that like Jabuki just like accidentally no. became famous. No, 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 no. He's 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 been doing it a he's long time. It. He's Even been though hustling. he's young, he's yes, super, super young, young. great, so, so funny. Yeah, and and but it's just like 
as an underdog like myself, you know, you look at this. Just imagine yeah. if you went out for a role and you remember the lines and you fucking see it happen and you're like, oh, that yeah, that could have been me. That's not me though. That could have been me. It's crazy. I had, uh, you know, I, I don't belong in this universe. I belong in the parallel one. But uh, <laughs> I always think about like, what if you were the person who didn't get on Friends but like almost got on Friends? Yeah, that sucks. You or know like any successful show like Modern Family right, or exactly. like Seinfeld or anything like that. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. It's just. I don't want to think about it anymore. I always think about, you know, when we had Suba on a couple weeks ago, she mm. was saying that's why people go crazy in LA. It's because in LA... Because you're so close. You're so close and you have all these meetings and you go to all these auditions and you come across so many oppor- like situations where if one thing goes had right... changed, yeah. Well, if, if one thing had changed, your entire life course, the course of your life would have been different, right? You would have been so successful or just everything would have changed. Oh. And you just deal with that every day and you fail every day. And I think people just can't deal with that That's reality. Why you know? yoga is so popular there? Because you have true. to just like not. You just can't think that way. I know. You just won't. You won't be able to function, Fumi. I know. So All right. <laughs> I know you've been thinking about it this whole time, and you have it on your phone. It's been a lot of failures. I had that, and then I did this college gig on the road. Road oh, dog. Just, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Road dog. Road dog to New Jersey City. Yeah. Uh, there's a college. I did a college called uh, New Jersey City University. Shouts. Thanks Shouts. for having me. It was a middle. It was a show that was in the middle of the day, 12 p.m. <laughs> in the middle of the student union Why? 30 chairs 27 of them empty uh, <laughs> people were just walking around going to class they don't they weren't here for the comedy show so you know? was it like in the I don't know so I'm imagining a student union and there's like there's like other things happening in yes, the student union exactly, right there's exactly. like food or something there's, food, there's, like, food. there's like a library or something yep, people are studying and then they just put this comedy show in the middle just as entertainment for the kids who are coming back to school for the second semester. People always think that comedy can just be like, you know, you ever go to Nordstrom and there's a guy playing piano? Yes. They just like, just throw him in the background. Yeah. And like, you know, but you can listen to like Shakespeare, like not Shakespeare, like, like you know, Chopin in the background. Exactly. You can't listen to me like, and then I fucked my dog. Yeah. You know, like, you know, <laughs> like, exactly. Comedy on the way is, to get a sweater. It's an inter- interactive thing. It's you not, have to be looking exactly. at it's me. It's not an art that's dumb alone. And that's no. people get confused with that. The, yes. the funniest slash saddest thing happened at the show. I was performing my heart my heart out for these three <laughs> kids. Right, these two girls in, in the front. They were super into it. They were keeping me alive. That's good. And in the middle of my set, uh, some guy in the back raises his hand, and already that's funny because this is not a class. <laughs> you know, like you can you know say whatever you want. So I'm like, yes, go on. And he goes, uh, Do you watch The Daily Show? And I was like, Yeah. And he's like, Do you? Um, I think I think Trevor Noah is really funny. And that was it. <laughs> he just told me that he thought Trevor Noah was funny. That is insane. That's like going to a concert, like a Kanye concert, and be like, yo, have you heard of Kendrick? You know? It was like... <laughs> that guy's tired. I know. So that was... Uh, it was a, a very sad slash funny moment in my life. But I got paid, so... You got paid? All right. I got paid, you know? You know, uh, it's not far, very far away. At least it wasn't like Road Dog really far away, and then you have to go back to your motel. I know. But, you know, when I go... When I Road Dog uh, far away, those shows are really good. Oh yeah, because people in like South Dakota are like, "Holy shit!" Like Fumi Abe from New York City. Oh, <laughs> but <laughs> an Asian guy. Yeah, exactly. But then these kids, like New Jersey, they're, they're close yeah, to the city, they're so like right they, they, you know they're it's gonna go deal. see I don't know Soldier Boy later because he got out of jail recently. Hey, all know? right, yeah. So that was uh, that's my life. That's Good. my Matt. Welcome back. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome this. back from your soul, from your road dog <laughs> gig that you took the the path train to. 
Yeah. Uh, let's do a quick shout out to um, this event that we're going to be yes. hosting. Yes. Um, this is really little, exciting. Do you want to talk about it a little bit or do you want to just read this blurb? Um, just, yeah, read the blurb first and we okay. can get into it a little bit. This is the official blurb. Banana Magazine, Rooted NYC, and Asian Night Asian Podcast That's will us. be part of MoMA PS1's Night at the Museum, Lunar New Year edition, put on by Bubble Tea, an NYC-based queer Asian nightlife collective. This party will be on Friday, February 1st from 8 p.m. to 12 a.m. You can check PS1's event calendar to purchase tickets for $15 and the entire museum and its exhibits will be open all night. Banana Rooted and Asian Not Asian, that's us, <laughs> once again, will be at the M. Well space at the museum throwing a karaoke party within an uh, immersive Asian bungalow escape. You can find the link to the tickets in the description of this episode. Yes, yeah, so what it is, it's uh, Night at the Museum is like a bunch of different things that MoMA PS1 uh, puts on and this one is for Lunar New Year. They did it last year and it was bananas. Yep. And uh, so they're having a dance party in this geodesic dome that, that is at PS1 uh, and then there's gonna have, they're going to have like food and all these other things happening of which us Asian on Asian rooted and banana magazine mm -hmm. um, with uh, Vicky vibe is the DJ she we're gonna set up this kind of like karaoke room bungalow thing and um, Vicky vibes gonna do a set uh, for a couple hours and then uh, we're gonna have a karaoke thing so Fumi and I will be there we're gonna be hosting it we're hosting gonna the karaoke thing hosting the karaoke yes. thing we may or may not make fun of you depends on whether or not you sing Disney songs we may or may I, we may or may not sing too I love we I'm, probably have to sing you know I have to, to start say, it off I'm one of those people who I love karaoke and I'm a really bad singer mm. But I'm a really good dancer, so I kind of combine those two. My 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 power move is yeah. when my power meter is up high. Yeah, I do uh, backstreets. <laughs> How often is that? Backstreets back. Yeah, I actually I, I, my power meter goes up pretty high, pretty okay, fast. Okay, okay, so okay. <laughs> backstreets back because I know ah, the I know the dance. I know the da, dance. You da, know I love that song. Yeah. So come out to it. Uh, it's on February first. Tickets are uh, are going to be in the link. But if you can look it up, it's um. Uh, MoMA PS1 Night at the Museum Lunar New Year yeah Google and, that and it's gonna be fire uh, so come check it out also quick shout uh, let's, do, let's do the Patreon thing real quick yes. and then we'll get to it uh, listeners what we're about to do we always give a shout out to our new Patreon subscribers for the week and we play this really really rude game where we try to guess what ethnicity <laughs> you lot, are right based on your uh, last name we have, like, we have like five which is a lot that's good I mean last week we had like two so okay Okay, and we, we got some non-Asians this week. This is pretty good. Okay, okay, First okay, one, okay, okay, okay. Ma Maria, Maria Prok Prokhorenko. So my Ooh. girlfriend told me this person's Russian. Okay. Enko is Russian. You know what's tight is I think this person may be one of those Russian scammers that follows you on Instagram. Ooh. But this is another level because now they're contributing to our they Patreon money. in order for us to follow them back. Ah, well done, well Maria. Done. Maria. I yes. will follow you now. Um, you can what's his face? Me. Putin's onto us. It's yeah, fine. Dis disinformation. Then we get Ashley Wu. W-U. Chinese. Chinese. Yep. Not, no Chefs. confusion there. Yep. Mat Matias Aguilar. I think that's Peruvian. Aguilar. Aguilar. Could be Filipino, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything. Yep. When, when in doubt, mm -hmm. Filipino. <laughs> when in doubt, <laughs> Filipino. <laughs> then, we got a, then we got this guy named C-Y. C.Y. dot. C.Y. dot. Just that's it? C-Y, yeah. Huh. Oh, cryptic. Yeah. Maybe he's hmm. a DJ. He identifies as a DJ. Mm. Uh, let me check zoom into his picture here. Zoom into his picture. Ooh, he's like a he's Asian. He's riding a toy car. He's riding like one of those um Oh like uh you know those things you put in like twenty five cents and you can yes, buy. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Ah, see see why. DJ and Goofy. Yep. I like it. See why we're gonna assume in Chinese. Yep. Uh Sophia Vu. V U. That's Viet as a motherfucker. Is man. it really? Vu, Vu, hell yeah. I know a Vo. Never heard of a Vu. Mm. There's like 
like most of us Vietnamese people yeah. are called our name Nguyen and then there's like a bunch of little small names I could probably in like two minutes name all of the Vietnamese last that's names that's crazy so it's like Trin um, uh, Pham Fan uh, Vo Vu uh, Vu uh, and then a lot of them too uh, can be like you know you can kind of tell like where they're from if they're because like Vietnamese people like to play the game too like if you say your name is like Vu or something like that yeah. like we'll try to figure out are mm. you Chinese Vietnamese are you Vietnamese Vietnamese is there um, like a political or like a socioeconomical um, implication to these last names like India uh, probably yeah like are Vu's richer than the winds no one's richer than wins because we're everybody. So <laughs> we're everywhere. <laughs> All right. Well, Sophia Vu, thanks for being Vietnamese. Um, Charles Charles Tran. Oh, that's super Viet. That's Viet. Yeah. We got a lot of Viet people, dude. Because of me, man. That's so crazy. Mm. We don't. I, I think we've only had like two Japanese people. I'm not doing a good job. <laughs> we had one Japanese girl, but we you called her a porn star, so now she probably dropped out and uh, <laughs> we you know, she hates her with now. Viets. And finally, we have Jason Kim. That's easy. Kim. Korean. Korean. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank it. you Love so it. much. This listeners. little tour of Asia. Yes. <laughs> uh, listeners, uh, again, if you want to subscribe to our Patreon and support this podcast, uh, you know, all the money you give us, it helps us, uh, you know, pay for the studio and advertising and things like that, future projects. So check us out on Asian, uh, sorry, patreon.com slash Asian, not Asian pod. And there you can uh, become part of uh, the Patreon group and we'll oh, give you a shout out. Yeah. We're going to have some uh, bonus content on that once we reach 100. And we're at 91 and we're, right and now. We're really close. So yes. we only need nine more and we have backup content oh sorry not backup um bonus, bonus content stuff. ready to go it's ready to go it's ready it's you just w- have to unlock it it's like right at the gate you just gotta unlock it baby so uh yeah. so definitely do that and uh i think we're ready i think we're ready to start the show getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Okay, our guest is... uh, Man, there's so many things to say about our guest. Yes. Um, But, you know, cultural connector. Yep. Cool person. Cool person. Uh, She calls herself an ultimate freelancer, I believe. Um, She's been featured on Bon Appetit magazine, the Washington Post. Woo! Star Chefs. Never heard of that one, but I'm sure it's good. Yeah. Um, it has the word star in it. Yes, yes. Uh, give it up right now for Simone, Simone Jacobson. Jacobson. Hey. Hey. Thank you for coming on the show. Yes, thank you for having me. This is so exciting. How did we meet? 
How do how did we connect? I remember, I found I remember how we you met. you yeah. because I listened to your episode about how Panda Express is your side chick. <laughs> oh my god! And I shared it widely, <laughs> and I was like, "There's got to be a way that I can plug them into something." And then I was working with the Museum of Food and Drink here in New York, in Brooklyn, and I was like, "Oh, we're gonna do this event with you know Jews and Christmas. Like, let me hit up." the Asian not Asian guys and see if maybe we can you know make it funny um, you know I want our listeners to know who you are because you're so cool so just like you know w- tell us a little bit about yourself like you, you've got I hope you take this okay you don't seem to have a job or you seem to have <laughs> you seem to have like a hundred jobs both are true okay. both are absolutely so true so where, where are you from so I'm from Phoenix, Arizona. Okay. And it's funny that you said it seems like I have no job and too many jobs at yes. the same time. So even my mom, who's also my business partner, <laughs> she will tell people, right? Because people say, oh, we don't see you at like this place. They think that is my only job when oh, yeah. I have other jobs. And so um, so I do a couple of things. Uh, I own a little Burmese bodega okay. in Washington, D.C. It's mm-hmm. called Toli Moli. Mm. And Toli Moli is like an Anglo-British, Anglo-Burmese slang. Mm-hmm. And it means a little of this and a little of that okay so actually my business is called totally moly but so is like my so-called anti-career life <laughs> is also very totally moly so we sell um we sell burmese food but also condoms and korean face masks and books Whoa. And what kind of condoms yeah. like burmese condoms just like regular directs we're a bodega so oh, you know oh, we, okay, okay. we you know we have burmese catfish curry and then we also have like the Magnums. you know indian version <laughs> of rapunzel right whoa this is this is the question that um I think the listeners are li- wondering, and I'm also wondering: Is are, are you are you are Asian, right? Is that <laughs> to me? Are you even it's Asian? Like, can we rescind the invite now? Wait, hold like, on a second here. Yeah. Can we start the, the episode over? Jacobson, the 23 and me came back, and we're not sure. No, you know it's funny that you said that because when you're reading the names of the Patreon folks, I was thinking, oh no, what if I, you know, what if I send in my donation under Patreon. Jacobson? Like, how are they going to mm, drag we would, me? We but, would assume Jewish, I think. But also, right? yeah, but I did, you know, you had this little Jewish education, so Jewish is is part. Partly right. Um, actually, you know the famous um, Vietnamese spiritual teacher that Nhat Han. He says yes. the most loving way you can uh, you can tell people if they give you a compliment or if they give you criticism that your answer should always be you are partly right. So you are partly right huh. because mm. you are partly right. It's like, oh, you're so beautiful, right? And then you say, you are partly right, but I also have flaws, right? Oh. And if, if somebody tries to joan on you, you say, you are partly right, but I also have these strengths. So you always get to Damn. stay humble. Oh, that's it's hot. Like this that's high so ground. hot. Yeah, you people. <laughs> Whoa, it's, that's like Dude, so if some girl profound. said that to me, oh my God, That's dude. like in the right? anime where like you try to punch the guy, but he yeah. appears behind you. You know, it's like... <laughs> Huh, how did you do that? Yes. Yeah, where are you? Yeah. I'm everywhere, nowhere. I'm everywhere, nowhere. You're, ah, partly, right. you're partly so right. So you're partly right that I'm Jewish, but yes. also my mom is from Burma. Okay. Um, and white people, their favorite thing to say is, you mean Myanmar, right? Myanmar? Ah. Right. So, so yes. educate us on yeah, this. Yeah, educate us. We want to talk to you about All right, that. All right, let's, let's go down the rabbit hole for a second. But so she's <laughs> ethnically Chinese, Burmese, and British. So Ooh. I'm partly a lot of things, but Asian is definitely one. Mm. Um, and a strong Security, security, you can back up now. <laughs> I see, you know, I see folks walking around this market like, what's happening in there? There's two Asian guys and a a nondescript, uh, unidentified TBA. So uh, Burma, right? Burma is the way that Burmese and British people have always called this country. And what 
a lot of uh, European language speakers don't hear is that the Burmese pronunciation of the country is actually Myanmar. Mm. And Myanmar and Burma sound much more similar than Myanmar, Myanmar, mm. and Burma, right? Yeah. So the country name in Burmese, just like you wouldn't, uh, you wouldn't say, oh, we're going to rename Spain España. España right. and Spain are the same place, right? And so what the Burmese government did is they said, well, we are now officially Myanmar, right? And so the rest of the world was like, oh, big change. It's like, nah, it's just making it harder for white people to say. That wasn't their purpose. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the end result is that white people like to white-splain you now. You know, the very first day, so totally moly, we were just like wishing a prayer, like we're going to make Faluda, right? Faluda is um, a layered dessert drink, and it has its origins in Iran. And the uh, Iranians call it Falude. And so it's now traveled all through throughout Southeast Asia and like every culture has one where like, you have bubble tea you have uh, pat bing su you have jie mm-hmm. right all these different Asian desserts and so we had this pop up it's like first guy it's always got to be the first guy right yep. like first guy in line he literally walks in it's like the guy you know raising his hand at your show and we're serving dessert okay yeah, we're yeah. serving mm-hmm. dessert it's a, it's a food pop up and he says uh, you know how did you get involved with this and I said I'm the owner so you know it's Myanmar right <laughs> like that's <laughs> Do this right now, dude. Well, you yeah. know, a white dude takes like one vacation to Thailand, and all of a sudden so he funny. knows everything about everything. So it's like, yes. Um, I want to talk about this uh, uh, Burma identity thing a little bit. Your mom is Burmese. My mom is Burmese. So her mom was Anglo Burmese, mm-hmm. and her dad was Sino Burmese, so Chinese and Burmese. Do you speak the language? A little bit. Okay, cool. And then you, you're from Phoenix, right? Yeah. So how did that all work out? <laughs> it was so yeah. bizarre. What happened? So it was such a bizarre thing, right? To grow up, first of all, with no other Burmese people around right for sure not yeah. uh, and very few Asian people in Arizona there's you know there's Mexicans because of the proximity to Mexico and there's you know native folks in Arizona but Asians very few and far between but I just kind of like won the um, cultural lottery because my best friend uh, from the age of four until now she lives here in New York she's Thai and her sister she had two older sisters so like being a part of their family helped me to understand a little bit like what it was to have an Asian American identity you know eating food with them being a part of that Thai and Burmese culture are quite different but mm-hmm. are more similar than say I don't know Russian and Burmese right, 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 right. Um, and so also my dance teacher growing up uh, was Korean American he's a really fascinating guy he's been like a stripper a black belt dance with Whoa. Barishnikov <laughs> yeah what the hell? so I won the like cultural lottery with you know some Asian American role models and people in my this life in Phoenix yeah man. Wow. I told you it's just, the lottery I thought there was like, just machine guns out there yeah. <laughs> man I remember when we were kids actually so two funny things when we were kids they used to say to my best friend and I when we were filling out standardized tests they would say now everyone fill out Caucasian except for two you know who you are that's a thing they would say why? every time why? they would just what they As thought they were simplifying funny? the process of filling in the bubbles like everybody's gonna fill out Caucasian on this question right except for two of y'all and you know who you are so I mean that kind of like 
dovetails into some of the other stuff I want to get into because you are also a dancer. You are like you're big into hip hop. You have a a nonprofit that you started to work with. I work with a nonprofit in D.C. called Words, Beats, and Life. Yeah, okay, so cool. I'm the deputy director of the organization, and I work on most of the sort of big uh, cultural projects. So right now we're working with an organization in France called Juste Debout, which means standing only, and we were the first stop and the return of this major competition to the U.S. after a five-year hiatus. So it's oh. like Juste Boo standing only means uh, the urban dance forms that are not breakdancing. So hip-hop, house, popping, locking, and people compete in duet, duos, duets. And uh, and then the winners get to go to France and dance in front of 15,000 people and like win this whole thing. That uh, sounds like not a job again. How did you find hip-hop then? Again, this is in Phoenix. So, you know, yeah. did you, is, it, is, it, is it through this little group of your, your little lottery that you got? Yeah, I mean, so my, my dance dance teacher Haji Joe he was um, this really I mean he himself is like an anomaly right Um, he ran this dance studio where he was reaching out to underprivileged kids and also was accepting you know anybody who is talented and so we used to perform in pretty major arenas like in front of 20,000 people oh um, I got to open up for The Roots when I was younger dance Whoa, with like Sister Sledge dang. Wow! Yeah. How, do you, how do you open as a dancer you just dance you do your like yeah you do you know you do a little whatever. choreography mm. a little performance and uh, I used to dance with this um, b-boy b-girl crew in Arizona called um, Foot Clan and I also danced with a company called Culture Shock <gasps> and wait you did yeah wait which, which in one in DC the DC yeah, one yeah, yeah, yeah. that's so a really we big uh, talk more about Culture Shock it's what like is a really this? big uh Hip hop, I don't know what you like organization, mm-hmm. right? They have a bunch of crews. There's like there's a there's several of them. There's like an Oakland one. There's a an SF one. There's um the Los Angeles one is like a really big one because yeah. like those are all like professional yeah. quote unquote professional dancers and so there's like a there's a big camp of them. There's a DC one. Uh, yeah, there's I mean, the, and there's even international ones. I think isn't there? Oh, for sure. Yeah, for so sure, yeah. they're like a really big crew and like as you you know I I don't know when you were dancing but you know when I was try still dancing that was like <laughs> the crew you kind of looked up to because it was a lot you really? could kind of graduate into it yeah. and then like they were kind of an incubator in a lot of ways and this is it's true I mean the guys that I danced with they went on to choreographer Justin Timberlake yeah. to Whoa. be and yeah. this is a, around the time like you know before like America's Best Dance Crew was a thing yeah you know, so it was like and you know now it's huge right youtube is like you're gonna be on youtube you're gonna watch like an eight-year-old just yes, like be yes. incredible dancing i, I do, I do that like a, like an eight-year-old like yep. little asian kid amazing mm-hmm. dancer but back in the day you either had to be a b-boy which is like a whole like other world and it could be a little like hard to get into sometimes yeah. especially if you're not not from the right area um but you know, and you formed a crew if you're with your fucking like biology study group, <laughs> like, <laughs> which is like what I did. Like they were like the other nerds, just what like. A, hey, what was your name? What was your name? We had a we had a crew. They're still around there yeah. in, uh, at Berkeley. We were called True Element. Okay, that's kind of cool. Yeah, it was actually not a bad name. So, uh, you know, but you you formed it that way. Yeah, and then and then you would kind of like kind of hear about it, and it was very like bootleg. You would hear about like performances and like other crews like um you know kaba modern and stuff like that those, I, I those, those, guys. Came, those yeah. guys came up because of uh like the filipino culture groups that were in from uci and stuff like that Whoa. so you'd always hear about it and then like culture shock was like the the most organized i would say it was like the biggest mm. it was like a big nationwide thing so you were like kind of looking up to them and they had all been around for a while so it's just like 
you know, you know, you kind of working towards that. And that again, before the internet really kind of like took on this whole thing, that's how you became a dancer. Oh my gosh, so, I love yeah. that. I, this I, is cool as shit. I love, <laughs> I love dancing. I think if I wasn't doing comedy, I would be dancing. That's really? why I love dancing. I didn't know that. You heard it here first. I, I thought love, you were a trumpet guy. <laughs> I was, but I discovered breakdancing and stuff on YouTube. Like you said, because yeah, nobody's breakdancing in Ohio, right? Yeah. That's like, <laughs> it's like sacrilegious over there. Like, you, Dude, like, we weren't even allowed to grind, oh, right? Yeah. That's the kind of like, yeah. so dancing was discouraged. Breakdancing is grinding with the ground. Did you have the, like, the yardstick? Would they make you like, oh. like oh. But we got half sheets before like prom and stuff. And it said <laughs> students must remain perpendicular to the floor. I'm not even joking. Students must remain perpendicular to the floor while dancing. Is, wow. Is what know the word. No yeah. warning <laughs> or whatever it is. Um, yeah, dancing in general was like discouraged. And when I moved to New York, I started watching these videos, and uh, it's mad, I just think it's it's mad cool. I mean, just like comedy, there's it's really hard to make money doing it. I'm sure. Oh yeah, right. Do you get paid in culture shock? No, no. You, no. you get paid in, in respect <laughs> in street cred. <laughs> um, but I did read in one of the magazines that uh, you. Um, you had uh, you, you tore your ACL uh, in an informal hip hop dance battle in 2008. Yes, I tell us that's true. Tell us back. How did this happen? How did this happen? Was this at a wedding? What so happened? you so you started in Phoenix. You were dancing. You found your identity, and you were you joined Culture Shock. You're in DC. You're killing it. Then boom, 2008. Informal informal hip hop dance. Well, has there ever been a formal one? What does that even mean? <laughs> with a tuxedo? <laughs> yeah, you can have a formal oh, dance battle. I mean, just a like boo. Flyers. Oh, formal dance battle. Exactly. Yeah. So what happened to me was I was in San Francisco. I was teaching at this French immersion preschool. Sounds also like not a job. <laughs> and, um, and you know, was not making enough money. So I was like, had all these side hustles. And I had this big crush on this guy. And I just couldn't like mm. get his attention. Oh. And so for Halloween, and he was like totally the stereotypical guy you would think like, a mixed race B girl would be into like a mixed race B boy. We gotta stop this for just a second because yes, because like you, you know, were you really into B boys for a, like a long time? Because I and then and then you find out because I think that this is the equivalent I think for people of color why like like white girls like skaters. Do you know what I'm saying? Like there's something about B boys which they're kind of dangerous. And they're kind of like whatever about like a lot of things that are kind of you know what I'm saying. Do you ever did you ever feel like that? That's why no, I wanted to be a b boy too. Because you wanted to you wanted to attract girls that like dangerous dudes. Well, that was there was definitely that, mm. but mainly I want to do windmills. But like you know like yeah, that was like yeah, the thing. Yeah. Well, I definitely think there's there's this sort of whole aesthetic and language yes. that goes beyond the dance. Right? It's like it's a way of moving. It's a way of being. It you know people. I think that like the the skater thing is like the sad vibe and uh, like hip hop culture is like the exact opposite it's like people who have like confidence and right. style yeah. and you know and like I was attracted to people yes. that yes. were confident yes. with style and like presence in the world you okay. know I've always been I think a little bit into that and so I couldn't get this guy's attention and it was Halloween you guys are gonna laugh at me so hard <laughs> we're how did you find this information <laughs> so, it was written on the Washington Post yeah. 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 so uh, yeah so I dressed as Amy Winehouse and I had like the big yes. uh, big hair put a little mole mm. uh, <laughs> cool. I, I went all in you're right? ready yes. you're ready so for him so I went to this Halloween dance party and it was actually the night before I was moving back to uh, DC and I had given up I was like whatever this is never gonna happen and so I'm in my like full Amy Winehouse and the dude shows up and he is dressed as himself 
Oh, come on. And it was so <laughs> lame. lame. And, lame. and, like, and pretending lame. like it was a costume. Oh, no. Like, he was like, I'm a, like, Rasta skater b-boy. I was like, no, you're, you're a Rasta just, skater b-boy yeah, in yeah, real you're life. you're ready. You're just no. yourself. Whack. Yeah. Uh, so we kind of, like, got into this little battle back Whoa. and forth. Wait. About what? His costume? No, just dancing. Oh, I'm just, just dancing. trying to give okay, you the well, he, visual. He said battle. You know? He said battle. Battle, I'll dance battle. Okay, okay. Well, I thought you oh, liked this guy. he's not a real dancer. You, I'm oh, not a dancer. Oh, dang. I've never, I'm a comedian. I don't claim to be yeah. a dancer. Listen, Wait, listen. Do you battle with people you like? Yeah. That's a thing? Dude, there's a lot. I For mean, sure. like all that dance stuff is just- that's They like all, each other? It's just emotion. They look like they hate each other. They well, like each other. Yeah, it's a, it's complicated. <laughs> it's, it's a, what, what was, what's the phrase? What's the phrase? You're you're a little right? What's the phrase you just- You're partly, you're partly right. right. Partly right. Mm, it's a, yeah, so continue. Right. This is very interesting. I'm going to write this down into a rom-com <laughs> so one wait, day. It's 2008. You like this guy. You dress up as Amy Winehouse. He's dressed, He's up, dressed as up as himself. And you're like, no, let's battle. Whoa. Sure. Yeah, well, ah. okay. yeah, that's the premise. <laughs> Let's battle this out. So we, you know, we were dancing and it's kind of like what happens is, you know, a circle starts to form. Yep. Mm. People start to be interested. And, you know, that always kind of drives me a little crazy because the cypher, right, in hip hop culture, like the cypher is sacred and people who take energy from that circle should also give back, right? So like when kind of spectators form, like this is not a f- event with flyers. Yeah, yeah, These yeah. are, you know, people sharing. And so when you're at a club and people are going back and forth, like it's meant to be an exchange of energy, right? Yeah. Mm. So when there's no equity there, it's kind of like, come on, man, you came for this free show. Yeah. So this free show mm. is starting to kind of form. It's like some dancers, some non-dancers. And, you know, that kind of feeds your, it feeds your, um, your ambition yes. and it feeds your yes. hype you're like right. okay now and especially then I'm like ah oh. and I'm a woman I'm like elaborately dressed like I gotta crush <laughs> it there's a mole yeah. on yeah. your face <laughs> gotta crush him you know and so I take like a little step back and I do this big barrel kick which is where you jump up in the air with one knee bent and one knee one leg straight and it's almost like imagine like the Nike symbol like yeah 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 right? you, you, it's a flip it's not quite a flip. It's a it's a half flip. It's, it's like, like a, a okay. one. It's like a cartwheel. Yes. And you stopped in the middle. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But in the air. But That's then sick. If you stop in the middle, your head is down. Yeah. So it's just with the legs. So oh, you like one okay, leg okay. bent. It's like you jump up one leg bent and one leg straight, and okay. then you land. I get you. Like imagine you're jumping over a barrel. It's called a barrel yes. kick. This is like um, Sonic Boom from Street Fighter. <laughs> that, yes. that, that move? Yes, yes, yes. yes, like yes in a circle. Yes, in a circle. I get it. Yes. You have to speak my so language. I jump up in the air <laughs> and everybody's like, oh, like people like losing their minds. Yeah. And I landed and I just heard it go like clock, clock, clock. Like oh. I heard my Ooh. knee, but I'm still trying to play it cool, you know, because <laughs> now I'm like, damn, now I'm going to lose and, you know, he's going to be judging. And so I like did this kind of like low key capoeira move and Ooh, then yes. some god from the universe smiled on me and there was like a stage behind me I just put my hands down and the room was spinning oh. it was a lot he was like yeah that that's like you tore your ACL I was like no 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 I'm, nah, f- nah, I'm, I'm fine good, I'm everything's good. fine good. <laughs> so not fine did you fine. guys end up kissing or yeah oh that's oh, nice yeah. Yeah. yeah it was a happy ending and then I left the next day. Oh, heartbreaker! Yeah. With your ACL torn. With my ACL torn and like ringing the bell every ten seconds, like icing my knee. Oh my god! But you know, women just we have an amazing tolerance for pain. I could see that. Mm. And I went like three more months before I had to get surgery. Are you serious? Mm. Wow! You just Hardcore. walked around with your root torn ACL. You're your leg all flopping around and shit. Mm-hmm. And that was was that the end of your dancing career? It was the end of dancing as a career. Yeah. I mean, mm. now I still dance. Ooh, and over a boy. 
over a boy it's so very embarrassing actually to think that you were talking about like oh that situation like my whole life could have been different my whole career it's like oh my god the worst way to permanently damage your body is to try to show off for someone like that's that's crazy but you how old are you? you this sounds like you were young early 20s yeah you're allowed to do that you're Old allowed to do stuff for boys to not make that kind of mistake i think you know you wouldn't be who you are if you didn't tear your acl that's true yeah so that was the dance gods going you know we're gonna little snip snip of that tendon <laughs> and put you on another path <laughs> so that you could do all sorts of other stuff so, i mean you know you build yourself as like this cultural connector and you can kind of see that with like holy moly and all these different things but how did you figure out did you kind of just stumble upon you know your life like this or did you kind of think hey you know there could be something interesting if i put different cool people together with different cool ideas uh i guess both i mean you know when i was little i wanted to be president uh yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> and i also really really wanted to be a fly girl on mm-hmm. in living color mm-hmm. those were my two aspirations and like not necessarily mutually exclusive those mm-hmm. would be mm-hmm. an amazing press conference okay right? let me just tell you <laughs> all right we're lowering the interest rate the fed is lowering the interest rate and now me and the fly girls because it'll like you know, a little dance, a little dance. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, we also read another magazine that you call yourself a multi-potentialite a term you picked up from a TED talk about having more than one calling. And so one of the things that really interesting, one of the interesting things about you that we thought was that you have like a bunch of jobs and you do all of it and you kind of make your own schedule um, and you're you're cool with that. You're cool with this like, I don't want to call it uncertainty because I'm it sure you uncertain. know. It is uncertain. I know you, uh, you know, you know what you're doing, I'm sure. And you dress nice so you clearly have money. That's good. <laughs> but like a lot of our listeners, you know, a lot of, they, they kind of like look for that career advice of like, oh, is this what I should be doing? Or like, how do I look for other opportunities? You know, we talked about on the last episode so Mike was saying that like when you look in at the intersectionality of different careers that's where the interesting things happen and I think that's exactly what you're doing you know you're taking like oh I kind of like dancing but I also like connecting people I also like France and then you do this like hip hop event right so you, there's a lot of things you do like that and you're, that's how you're hustling that's how you're making your money can you talk a little bit more about like how, how, did, how, did you, how do you start if someone wants to do something like that where do you start and how do you keep that going so that like you can put food on the table yeah, main, yeah that's the main thing I'm, like how do you not uh, run screaming out of the building out of terror because that's what I would do all the time. Well, I think that's, you know, why people with jobs keep their jobs and yeah. why people who are freelancers, you know, we have to we have to be okay with a little bit of uncertainty. Mm-hmm. There's no way that you can do, um, I think, any creative work really. Like, it's the same level of uncertainty that you might have if you go into a comedy show and then there's three people there, right? What do you yeah. do? Do you leave? No, I do it. Right? You do yeah. it. And I, you say, do I say, put it your phones down. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Devin Hart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's part of it, right? You got to fake it till you make it. What happened to me was not, um, was not at all linear. Mm. Um, what happened to me was that I was working as a restaurant general manager and um my mom and I wanted to start Totally Moly because she was getting older and I, I think she was like ready to change careers. And so, I mean, if you see like where the apple fell from the tree, my mom is, uh, you know, a grandmother. She runs a small business that requires long hours and a lot of hard work mm-hmm. and just like casually got her master's degree in the first like two years of opening her business. Wow. So that's, I mean, at Georgetown. Whoa. Right. Flex. Right. So, you know, that's that's the kind of uh, folks I come from, I guess. But in terms of how people can start, 
I really know very few people that do what I do. And the reason I had to give it a name was because, um, you know, connecting people, resources, and ideas is a very specific skill that I have. And it took me a long time to give it a name Mm -hmm. and also to um, have enough credibility for people to hire me to do a job that doesn't exist, that isn't advertised. Um, Because if you break it down into the skills, right, I have a master's degree in performing arts management. So Hmm. I have some credentials, right? I have a career in the arts. We started um you guys did you ever go to the sulu series in new york no Mm -mm. so the sulu series was at the bowery poetry club and it was a monthly showcase of asian and pacific islander artists Hmm. and we started the dc version called sulu dc and so for many years i ran uh the only curated uh open mic of all arts so it was theater it was comedy it was poetry uh we had burlesque all kinds of things um ali wong was featured there it was yeah it was a big deal and so because essentially like the best the most kind of frequent advice that i give people and it doesn't just apply to what i do or to freelancing is just work hard be kind and be excellent right and those three things i think go a long way my business partner he calls it the economy of kindness Hmm. and it's a very powerful thing right i connect with people i think in a way that um you know they want to be involved in something that's bigger than themselves. Like one of the most memorable experiences for me doing this kind of work, I worked with a restaurant group in DC, it's called Busboys and Poets. Mm -hmm. So they also have bookstores, they have performance spaces. And I curated a show, a visual arts show in the restaurant, it's a huge restaurant, um, featuring uh, artists from Latin America. And all of the back of house staff, the kitchen, the dishwashers, the busboys, the barbacks, they came out and they looked at this art on the walls that really represented them. And they were just standing there in the middle of their shift looking at the walls and all the managers were confused. Like, what's Mm. happening? It's like, well, this is what it feels like to be represented where you work and where you live. And Mm. I think a lot of people in white dominant culture, they take for granted that many of us, like myself, right, being mixed race, Mm -hmm. being Burmese, which Mm -hmm. is, you know, not something that you come across like other Vietnamese or Mm -hmm. Korean or Chinese people all the time, to be of this like margins of the margins culture, I think has made me hyper aware of issues like Representation And representation, it's not like a buzzword. It's a feeling of being invisible in your own society. Yes. You know, the event that we were all together at last month where the rabbi said Jewish people neutralize Christmas because they don't want to feel alienated in this major cultural event. Right. right. And that's just mm. kind of every day of my life, right? Every day being on the margins of the margins, you know, being queer and mixed race and you know a larger bodied person practicing and teaching yoga at the jail one of four people in the entire city that's teaching yoga in a jail there's no way that people can understand like why or how the same person who's running a bodega and doing cultural events and you know also teaching yoga and mindfulness and meditation and so I just I think the older you get with maturity Mm -hmm. comes a certain level of not caring anymore I I 
felt like I knocked on the door of Asian American identity for so much of my life. Yes. And it was always a closed door to me, even though I served on the mayor's commission for Asian American affairs. I ran this Asian series. I just was like screaming my Asian American identity and it was just still not enough. You know, it's always going to be somebody who is going to say, you don't look Asian. And that mm. phenotype was going to be this like stumbling block all the time. And so for me, I'm at a place now where I know who I am and that translates into my identity and it translates into my work, hmm. right? I have a name for it, but institutions and uh, individuals who work with me know that what I do is different, right? Mm -hmm. Speaking multiple languages, being able to bring b-boys or mm -hmm. skaters mm -hmm. or um, comedians into the same room with high-level scholars, just it just isn't done. You know, the scholars yeah. last night said that to me. They said, we don't usually get to have this much fun presenting our work. Yeah. You know, it's usually at some stuffy, right. you know, hotel where other people, you know, like just wait to ask their question that's really about their research. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they're, people are really engaged. And so I think ultimately, I don't know that anybody can kind of like carbon copy, not just my career, but like any career that is non-traditional, mm. unless it is really their passion and they're willing to work hard, be nice, and like really, really only have excellence as a goal you hear uh you hear that fumi she admitted she's not asian <laughs> get the hell out well that's every once in a while you gotta throw a bone and what you said too about just like owning who you are and as you get older as as i'm getting older i definitely care less uh about a lot of stuff especially about other people like what they think of it i care a lot about my i care about a lot about my outfits that's what i care a yeah. lot about but then everything it shows. else yes exactly. <laughs> thank you very much and so i think that's an, an interesting thing did, did, was there anything where was there any particular moment where you're like i gotta own who i am because i think as comedians we're always trying to find our voice whatever that and that's like a mythical thing that a lot of comedians when you're starting out you're kind of chasing that and they always say like around eight or ten years yeah, we don't know what it looks voice. like we really. don't know what it looks like yeah. we kind of like sometimes we can kind of feel it and sometimes and then it goes away yeah and so it is like a myth we don't know what it is <laughs> orgasm <laughs> like no the thing that <laughs> sometimes you get close sometimes you get the close comedic, away. the comedic, comedic voice is the female the orgasm, female orgasm. <laughs> So you're saying That's I'll hilarious. never I'll never get it because uh, I'm just bad at it. Never, never. Mike, maybe you can talk about this, you know, because you also freelance for a long time. Yeah. And I would say that you were chasing um, a career that was, I guess, more traditional than Simone's. But maybe yeah. as you were chasing, you kind of found your little niche, right? I think what you do, I don't know what you call yourself exactly, but maybe it's not yeah. something that I can find on LinkedIn. I think, you know? yeah, I mean, like as an, you know, I work in advertising and then like my title is becoming kind of like a, a hot thing now but it's relatively new like a creative creative strategist but i think for a while and um you know for a long time i wanted to be a copywriter and right. that was like the thing I, I really wanted it and it's really protected for some reason like that lane is really protected um and it's like it's like all about um and for some reason it's really protected by white males but like it's really mm. protected and it's really hard to get into it sometimes and so I was trying really hard for a long time. And then at a certain point I was like, you know what, forget it. I'm not, I'm not gonna do this thing. If you don't want me to do it, then fine. I'll just do something else. And I went into this other thing and I just kind of was like, uh, my, my thing is, it's very capitalistic, but I was like, I'm gonna do this for money. And I was mm. like, I'm about money, yeah. pay me. And when, as soon as I 
accepted that, I was like, okay, everything's okay. So because I wasn't trying to impress anybody, I was trying to impress my bank account. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like that was bank like of I, America. I, I, I was trying to impress. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Also, my mom can see it because like you know we share a bank account sometimes. Yeah. So like, <laughs> I wanted that. And as soon as that happened, I it wasn't like everything like worked out. It was just I was free to move around because I wasn't just looking at one thing. I was like, yeah. I was open to a lot of paths. Yeah, right? I also think that people need to understand. Uh, I hear a lot of aspiring entrepreneurs like very impatient and ready to jump ship, right? Because there are yeah. a lot of people out here that hate their jobs. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so all the times that I am broke or there's not an immediate gig in the pipeline or we could be terrified. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know what? I am so grateful. I'm so lucky yes. for all of the blessings that I do have, for all the opportunities I do have. And they don't always pay well. You know, sometimes they do. Sometimes we're able to work with bigger institutions or brands, but even at the small level, I still know when it's important to express gratitude. And a lot of people are so ready to leave their jobs. They think that it's a binary of having a job yeah. you hate or some like amazing, entrepreneurial right. yeah, like magic like dream. Yes. And, you know, it's it's a constant stress, right? Yes. To me, what's, what's most uh, unappealing is to lose autonomy, you know? Mm. And so uh, to connect the, the dots of all these things, what I'm really trying to say is that if you can think about your life as not separate from work, because work is, is really just action, right? So work might be sitting down and, and writing your ideas. And from that, every time I travel, I have like this outburst of creative ideas. And I don't say, oh, I'm gonna put this in a box and then I'll do this during work time. Mm-hmm. The work time, the leisure time, the family, the community, it's all connected for me. And I worked really hard to have that. It, was like, it wasn't like, given right. to me and I think that's that's what differentiates entrepreneurs from um, from workers mm-hmm. is that we are willing to take the challenge and there's so many failures right mm-hmm. so many failures so many rejections so many um, unexpected emergencies but we're willing to take that with the autonomy that comes from being able to start to blur those lines a little bit more. I mean, if you think about somebody like Thitnan Han, right? Who knows how, I mean, I guess he makes money from speaking gigs, Mm -hmm. but I mean, how does a person who eschews all, you know, worldly things live, right? And I think that it's when you start to find, I think Shonda Rhimes calls it like the pocket or the groove. When you find the groove of the thing that you do, I don't like this idea, oh, like never work a day in your life. Yeah. Because work is just action. We should be working. Mm-hmm. We should work and then we should let go. You know, we should do work. And I think that might mm-hmm. help with what you're talking about with this stress. Do work, but then let go and and let things happen <laughs> naturally. You know? I was I was just gonna say smoke weed, but you know? <laughs> yeah. You're like, you're, yeah. You're, like, you're, like the also, Buddha, you're like the Buddha of LinkedIn. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so wise. And we're back with Das Race News. Race News. With our, guest, news. With our guest, Simone Jacobson. Simone, not Seaman. Not Simone. 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 I never thought I'd have to say that, but. Sim- <laughs> there's another famous, there's a bunch of famous Simones. There's a lot of, I don't know. I was thinking of Timon from Lion King. I lied. 
<laughs> right? Is that his name? Timon? You know any other famous? Simone Simone. Beauvoir, Nina Simone. Nina Simone. That's her last name. Yeah, 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 yeah. See? And there Timon. And also Timon from Lion King. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's that's the reference. That's what we're that's what I have to deal with every day. Can you see that? Okay. So we're back with Dust Race News and we've got uh, uh we've got one that, that um I think I mean there's a lot of things happening and, and let's talk about uh have you seen this ad? The the uh, the best a man can be. Have you seen this? It's a Gillette ad. Gillette really recently recently released this ad. It's a, a digital ad titled We Believe, which runs about two minutes. Suggests inappropriate behavior shouldn't be laughed off as boys will be boys. The ads focus on bullying during boyhood and sexist behavior toward women by men has garnered not only praise for PG&E but also a lot of calls for boycotts so a lot yeah. of uh, people upset There's a lot of a lot of downvotes on that YouTube video 1.2 million on the Ooh. first day yeah and it's just first a, day it, um, it's just a fucking razor commercial. people yeah. people getting upset but uh, I think this I think it's an interesting ad I mean you know I, I work in advertising and yeah. I had some comments I had some thoughts yeah, what about are your, what it what are your initial reactions let's go with re- initial reactions as a creative person I see what they you know it's I, I always think about it as like you know can you get the client on board on something like this right <laughs> you're always trying to like get the client to be like let's take a chance yep. so as a creative person I'm like I mean as an advertising creative person yeah. this is an advertising thing yeah. I think it's interesting because it's like they're they're trying to like get relevant and they're trying to like get into this moment yeah there's definitely a lot of other things you know so um, you know purely from a advertising standpoint I think it was you it, admire that meeting I admire <laughs> that somebody had to explain to these uh, these marketing people that they should try to do, do this risky yeah and they're like hey you're probably gonna get a shit ton of uh, hate Backlash, on this yeah. about this yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. you know that's a, that's an advertising thing but I mean Simone you saw this ad I saw this ad but there's you know two men in the room and me so I feel yes. like in this instance I would like to hear not with your advertising hat on, okay. but just with as a man mm. raised in the United States, what yes. was your not as a comedian okay. or okay. as an advertiser? Sure. Okay. What was your immediate reaction like? Okay. You're, you're going to interview us you, now, okay? I, you oh. Know what? oh, some more. You're good. Partly, you keep you're appearing. Partly correct. I keep appearing behind us. Um, <laughs> I would like to open by saying that um, I didn't even get this ad because uh, <laughs> I think the Instagram algorithm knows I'm Asian and it's racist, and I don't shave that often, so I uh, didn't even get this ad. So I was ah. a little upset about that. But it is interesting this whole conversation about like toxic masculinity and stuff because sure that there are some bad things to teaching boys you know you gotta be tough you know mm. blah, blah, blah. all that stuff can lead to violence and, and misogyny and things like that but it, it was weird for me because I, I think I had some of that when I was in Japan sure like not from my parents but just from society but then you, I moved here and the older I got like we'd get these like you know I, I I found out that the rest of the country thinks Asian men are like not very masculine they think we're very feminine so it was like the clashing of two ideas so like i didn't always really i don't know if it was because of that or just the way i was raised but i don't identify with that kind of like over over the top man energy anyways so mm. it never it, it never spoke to me you know i mm. also have an electric razor so you know <laughs> so that's good shouts to panasonic you know i think that's that's important that's a that's an important layer yeah um where w- culture gets left out of the conversation and when you come from uh, a family that has more than one culture just from your lived experience yeah. that it it actually isn't relevant to you in the same way right right it's not relevant to you in the same way did you feel also that way that because 
No, I'm from Texas, so oh, true. As, a, as a Texan, I'm offended. No, um, I kind of see what Fumi say. I think I have to admit, I, I, you know, I always think about like, I think a lot of men think about like, what does it mean to be a man, right? And I, I definitely reject a lot of the stuff. Like the manliest person I always think about is like my grandfather, right? Mm-hmm. And he wasn't, he like he wasn't like out like taking shots of tequila all the time. He wasn't like bench pressing all the time. He, uh, the most manly thing I think was he was very res- loving to his family and responsible in that way. But I do also at the same time find myself, for example, thinking about like, oh, I, I need to take on more stuff in, you know, more responsibility and not complain about it. Like that was a thing ah. I, I kind of learned. Like for, I'll, just, I'll give you like a really silly example is like my mom always wanted me to carry the groceries and like that seems like a small thing but like as a as i was the boy yeah and i had to go in there and i had to like physically carry stuff and to this day i'm always about like physically carrying things i'm always carrying my wife's shit yeah and um you think your mom was telling you to do that because you're a man yes so as a boy Mm. i remember that and also i had to always stand up for my sisters and so i was always like she wasn't about you know violence necessarily yeah. but she was she was okay with it yeah in the like defense of the family right and so yeah. that was a very masculine thing and so i find myself for example i have a nephew and i'm always like this this little kid should be carrying my shit <laughs> you know i'm always yeah. thinking about carry my shit and he never carries yeah. my shit and um you know and so i'm accepted i'm accepting with that you know i'm like really into like martial arts because it's awesome but like but i can tell i'm mm-hmm, into mm-hmm. it also because like that's kind of a I think so. I, you know, I, I have a mixed thing about it. I, I, when I saw that, I was like, yeah, this is this is cool. I think we need to talk about what it really means to be a man. But on the other hand, I think a lot of guys are very anxious because we don't know what it means to be a man anymore, quote unquote. Right. They are criticizing like this textbook definition of a man. Like I don't know if you watched the ad, but there's a scene where all these white dads first of all, they were going on they were going at white dudes hard. <laughs> not I didn't see a single minority person in this. Yeah. There was one black guy, but he tells a white guy not to cackle. And like <laughs> that's crazy. There's just one dude uh, yeah, I, I I especially think for Asian dudes, it's gonna be interesting because for Vietnamese guys, for example, like this is a big um, phenomenon immigrant families will move to this country and then the wife will become the breadwinner because she can do jobs she can get jobs like being a seamstress or whatever that's common in Filipino culture yes, too isn't and it? it's hard for the man to get a job for various for various reasons you know sometimes because you know there's not a job available for him sometimes because he doesn't want to do certain kind of like you know day laborer type of job or something yeah. like that so then you know I, I see this for Vietnamese guys a lot uh, you know, my older, the older generation, my father's generation, like they come here and the woman becomes a breadwinner. The man doesn't know what to do because he's maybe he makes less or maybe he doesn't make as much money. Uh, and, and, and that sort of thing, you know, so I can kind of see both sides and, and you end up seeing like a lot of Vietnamese dudes just kind of not knowing what to do with themselves. So mm. and I always felt bad about my fault fa- for my father for doing that. He was able to be the breadwinner, but my mom made more money than he did so, yeah, that, yeah. It's, it's interesting when we yeah look at it like you said Simone like with this cultural layer because it when somebody especially now that we do comedy and we see a lot of like female comedians like just going at men right with uh, talking about all these things that are represented in this ad I don't even I don't even know what they're talking about some of the times because 
you know it's not like it's just different like the, the what you described to me it, it's so much it's so m- much more complicated than just mm. a guy being a guy you know that's how they said it in this ad is like we can't just excuse things by saying boys will be boys but that's not really what's happening yeah with what you're explaining i think too also asian men we're already like emasculated as much as we can so it's like in uh, america in america, in america for sure. yeah and so i think especially a lot of asian american dudes we're always like trying to like be manly and so we have a very complex like relationship with trying to be a man whatever that is right yeah. so we're, we're trying to figure it out also and like yeah. everything keeps shift. i, I kind of explain is like we've been trying to like get really good at bench pressing for like a long time and then somebody's like bench pressing stupid and i'm like oh no <laughs> like, but, I, but i bench press is pretty good now so that's what i that's as an asian guy this is like an asian guy's point of view which uh, no one cares about no one cares about <laughs> delete delete this now so <laughs> i care guys yeah no you I do, do yeah which is why so i don't know i mean yeah what are your, yeah, what what are your you thoughts, thoughts on what we just said yeah i mean i th- i actually i'm really uh grateful to hear that perspective because it really hadn't crossed my mind to think about that because what you're describing you said uh that loving and caring for your family is the most manly thing you saw your grandfather do for sure and i think there's so many people in this country that would not even think to define masculinity that way Mm -hmm. for me what's interesting is that um i think that patriarchy as it is is over Mm. i think it has to be Mm -hmm. because it's not healthy you know i um I was talking to you guys earlier before the podcast about how uh, the Psychology Association has now ruled masculinity, traditional masculinity, as not just toxic, but as um, something that is a health risk, a major health risk. It's Mm, an epidemic, right? right? So what you're describing of a man being... Um, carrying shit and loving his family <laughs> and, and you know maybe like not complaining when mm-hmm. he has to do the hard mm-hmm. make the hard decisions those things are are I think very cultural and very nuanced yeah but what's what's troubling right now is that people keep saying we don't know how to talk about it so we won't mm. right and, and that boys will be boys the, the biggest problem that I see with boys will be boys is that it sets uh, two things up that are equally uh, like when you think about the most extreme expression for boys and men it's what drives men to suicide and homicide mm. and for girls it's what sets the foundation for rape culture Whoa. right so Whoa. when you think about when you're little boys and you say hey <laughs> <That's> heavy <clears throat> when you say that boy he uh he hits you because he likes you. Uh, you know, he's mean to you because he likes you. Yeah. Right. So then, as you become oh, older, I'm guilty of that. Not the hitting part, <laughs> but I like, hope not. but like, um, what is that word? Uh, nagging. Bullying. Nagging. That, nagging is that what it's called? When you pick on a girl because you like her. Oh. Nagging. 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 It has a word. Well, it's like a, that's one of the seduction words. You know that's you know but the that's what she's talking about, right? I kill that. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, over. yeah. That's yeah. over. That has to go out with Patreon. I mean, this is like, you know, 98, 99, but it's like, right. that, that was You're common. Like, you tease someone. Right, right. Yeah. So this, this ideology is, I think, is really problematic and we need to look at it, right? Mm. And I don't think we can blanket say to little boys like, yeah, go and do your negging, right? If it's a, yeah. if it's an individual yeah. scenario where, you know, I mean, your, your brothers and your cousins are gonna tease you, teasing in and of itself is not part of the issue. That's, that's off the table. Right. The issue is that these sort of tropes 
I think the biggest issue with the Gillette, I'm, I'm with you. I agree with you that I do think that it was bold. I think they they tried something, mm-hmm. but the the kind of uh, criticisms that I saw mm-hmm. that really kind of undo some of that work is that they tried to just put way too much into this little spot. Yeah. Right? They could have picked one of those things. Right. Too mm. much too much too soon. Yeah, it was a lot. And also sort of from a hypocritical lens, they themselves have contributed. You know, they have ads where right. a woman drops her clothes yeah. when a well shaved man comes right. in the room. They were they were part of the whole system. They yeah. were, they brought up the whole be you know, you know, uh, the best a man can be. Right. Yeah. right? It's like yeah, that, yeah, they yeah, invented yeah. that. You know? And then now they're just like, just kidding. You yeah, know, so yeah. You know, yeah. the best that a man can be is not any of the other stuff we said before. We have a new training manual. This is like the 2.0 version. Yes. Yeah. Just came out. <laughs> you know? It's, it's going to be tough for corporations because any corporation has done ev- like has done evil shit. And so when you try to come out and do a project like this, they're going to get criticized. Like, like fucking Ronald McDonald has like a health charity. Oh, that's a really famous one. Too. I know, but it's like McDonald's. Like, you're killing everybody <laughs> with diabetes. It's like, but you know what I mean? But it's like nobody really cares about that one but then I mean maybe just because this is a hot topic right now people got a lot of attention but I do think like it's very tough for corporations I don't know why I'm defending the white man but <laughs> <laughs> I, I just think it's got to be really tough for corporations to do anything mm. like this because but I think I think that the corporations they really like they just need a Mick or me mm. to come in right and say you know what where are the brown folks in this ad what are they doing right yeah. where are the queer folks where are the trans folks because I think that You're they're right. so this commercial far removed. There's so was all white people. <laughs> no, there were some brown folks. There were some brown folks and some brown kids. But you're right. They did go hard on white men. But I think that that's well deserved. Mm. It's well deserved because even in this conversation, you know, when you're talking about what it means to be a man to you, I would argue that that falls outside of the social norms as they're experienced by the larger culture, right? Mm. I think if you said that to your friends in Texas, you know, if you ask three of your friends, what does it mean to be a man, right? Then what are some of the the common tropes that are going to come up, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Being a man means being stoic, for example. And that's one of the things that's killing men, right? Mm. It's like this emotional constipation of this constant facade Mm -hmm. that you have to keep Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's kind of ironic that a company that's like literally meant for your face (laughs) it's like it's like don't have a don't have a stiff face even though that's what we told you to do all all along right 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 i don't know if you saw the articles though they were just going really hard with the puns (laughs) they were like on the edge oh yes i did see that (laughs) (laughs) everybody's a copywriter man so i mean yeah these qualities that we associate with masculinity i think that it's more of a social inventory of what qualities are going to serve us as a society mm. and that we need to start taking gender out. You know, somebody said to me recently, oh, I feel so much safer because s- this male employee is now on this team that I was a part of. Ah. And I said, well, you know, I've been in this business more than 20 years and I'm definitely more prepared than this, you know, 20 something year old child (laughs) in an, in an emergency. You know, I've, I've had to send people to the hospital who have fainted. I've been in high stress, true emergencies in every imaginable context. And this kid just like because yeah. he has a penis, he's like gonna protect <laughs> you in an emergency. You know, you he know, doesn't know anything about that. You, you know, know, the 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 only the the kind of analogous situation is um, if I'm alone on the subway and there's like ten dudes like in a group, 
doesn't matter you know just like 10 especially 10 young men yeah i'm, I'm like oh shit like that could be bad like there's mm. something about 10 dudes together yeah teenagers yeah 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 they, yeah, they yeah, become yeah. super dumb yes you know they just like their iq overall like they'll just take risks and they'll do because, all sorts because of they're trying to be funny yeah or whatever yeah they're just trying to they're egging each other on yeah. they just kind of get this thing but then if there's 10 dudes and like there's one girl with them i feel better <laughs> I feel, ah. that, I feel that girl is kind of like she kind of like cools it down a little bit yes because they gotta be chill yeah and you're just like okay yeah it might be okay <laughs> you that's know so interesting and that's like kind of the only that's kind of like my most analogous situation you know for for a guy i in general feel very safe you know i never have to think about it but like yeah i definitely can feel like there's some toxicity when there's like a lot of men that's why I never go to like any Jets games. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, <laughs> don't yeah, ever yeah, go yeah, to yeah. A Jets game. <laughs> New Jersey, hundred Jets fans. Mm, that's dangerous. That's masculinity. So in this next segment, we're going to talk about career advice, and we found some uh, someone with a question on the internet about career advice. And Simone, you have a lot of passion. You have a lot of clearly. You have a lot of expertise. You, you, you do, your whole job is about using your passions and interests and, and combining them in interesting ways. But this person asks, best career advice for someone with no passion slash interests. Uh, and, and, and this person <laughs> lists a bunch of stuff that they definitely don't like. So <laughs> all my life I've worked at food service and retail jobs and I fucking hate them. Uh, so th- there are some things I definitely don't like. Retail, long hours, of course, dealing with customers. Who, you know, who doesn't? Mental math. Oh, it's so random. <laughs> mental math. I hate you know retail. What? I, you know what? I, I also don't like mental soon. math. I remember one of the worst experiences I ever had when I was a cashier at Blockbuster. Oh, I fucked up a couple times like the cashier yeah, too. Somebody, like, so you embarrassing. Know, yeah, somebody like, you Did they refuse you an abacus? <laughs> oh, I brought my own. No, um, I I remember I, I like you know somebody gave me like a bill and I, w- I was supposed to do the change or whatever you know, but I I had already closed the register. Yeah, you know, and so I was like, oh no, like I knew, and this yeah. person was so, and she was also Asian. Yeah, but she was like Americanized, but like she was like clearly it's 344 or whatever yeah yeah the, yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah and I was like ha ha totally ha ha <laughs> <laughs> and I was just thinking about something else but I was like I'm just like was bad at mental math Bro, mental math is the quickest way to flex on somebody like and, and really get at them yeah. because even if you are one of those people who are like oh, I'm not good at math you still feel a little embarrassed when you can't do it right you know and everyone always thinks that if you're good at mental math you must be like Einstein right like right you right, just right, figured right. out all these no, other things no, no, exactly yeah exactly. so um, so this person has no passion what should he or she do he or she do what do you think wait what's the other things they don't like mental other math things, other things uh, working on holidays but everybody hates that <laughs> low, low pay obviously <laughs> Super amazing. high space, stressful. Like you just listen to. You know, I also don't, also don't like bees. Be, yeah, you know. <laughs> so like I also un- don't like being stabbed being uncom- with a knife. Yeah, uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah of course. Um, says uh, mean people. Na, 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 na. Oh, this is really funny. I was chosen for jury duty three months ago. I didn't try to get out of it. Have you ever thought? Have you ever had a job where you're like you're you're you don't like the job so much you hope you get hit by a bus? <laughs> you ever thought about that? I had to no, have this job. That's common in Asia, you know? Really? Asia has really high, especially Korea, has yeah. really high rates of people, and Japan too. Korea and oh, Japan suicide. are kind of notorious for, I mean, that is a form of hating your job so much. You hope wow. that, you, that you, you just want to get out of it. Your life ends. Yes, I'd rather to get. Go to the job. Yeah. I wonder what national, um, like, is this guy American, you think? Because I have no idea. Pin, you know, the, the reason why suicide rates are so high over there is because it's not very common for people to get, like, second or third jobs. Like, you get a job and you just stick with it. 
And you so, just have it forever and so if and you don't like you it, you it. feel trapped at age He's 23. Forever. You're like, well, I guess I got to die. <laughs> right? How sad is that? But yeah. here in America, you're like, well, you don't have to do that. You I know? don't have to do that. I don't know, but he must be from like a nice country because uh, cause I don't think this is just, he's just unabashedly just like listing. Yeah, this is bad. This is bad. This is real bad. But I think too, I think this person is... You know, uh, I was reading about this. But, it's the um, worst resume. I know. It's, <laughs> do you remember that? Uh, do you remember that show? Do you remember that it's movie? Just a list of pet peeves. Uh, <laughs> yeah, a list, of, a list of things. Yeah, I don't like the color blue. Um, I. Do you guys watch that movie Office Space? Yeah, like yeah, a long yeah. time ago, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, right. And I remember for a long time I identified with that movie because I was like, yeah, I also kind of just want to sit around and watch TV. You yeah, know? Yeah. And that was when I was younger, and now I'm a little older, and I have. I guess you could say passions or whatever. Yeah. I still love watching TV, but you know, I do have that. And it took a while for me to kind of like figure out that what that was, because yeah. I think for a long time I just wanted to chill. So yeah. I think for me, one of the things is, you know, if you don't have any interests or passions, it's a kind of a sign that you don't, you're not necessarily an interesting person. And I think maybe you yeah. might need to go out, read a book, yeah. you know, try something out, do some yoga. I like that advice. I was about to tell him this, go sell weed. But uh, I well, think you're that's definitely it. That's gotta, <laughs> hey, that is I one mean, of the jobs with the highest level of mental math. That's not a fit for this yo, person. Oh, oh shit. Man. Ounces, grams, no converting way. that shit back and forth from <laughs> imperial to <laughs> metric system. Also, all like the names, you know, the sativas, the whatever. Yeah, all the different you know? things. How much THC is in here? Yeah, you know? exactly. Oh, because oh. customers are getting very educated these days. Savvy. You know, you know, you buy, you buy, you know, you buy an eighth, but then you also, you know, throw a little a bit of shrooms in there, and the guy yeah. gives you a hundred. Hey, this yeah. could be great for an SAT question. Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. how much how much how much does uh, Melissa get back? So uh, whoever you are, don't do be a weed dealer because there's so much mental math involved. Yeah. Also, you're dealing with customers all day long. Yeah, right. it's basically it hits all. You gotta work on holidays. Yeah. You gotta work on holidays for sure. Oh, oh, holidays. Shit. Long for sure. weird hours. <laughs> yeah, you know. So yeah, don't don't do that. Don't but, do that. I mean, work period. <laughs> what do you think if if somebody if a young person was like, hey, you're you know you're so cool, you're doing so many things, you know. And you're you're so good at dancing, and how do you? But I'm not interested in anything, you know. What would you say? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a couple things going on. One is that you're right that you know you have to take some responsibility to find something. I don't know. Do you do you guys think that everybody? has the potential to have passion i'm not sure that i do that's a great point uh, i don't think so that's good I, and i was i was thinking about what you were saying with the work life balance thing because i think i'm like that i think i'm like i like mixing but i think a lot of people don't and i think a lot of For people sure. just want to socialize that way yeah, too. yeah yeah and they just want to do their thing and they want to go home and drink some beers and yes. stuff like that that was the and first there's nothing wrong with that no no right, 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 really right. nothing wrong with that that was um when I when I was like 23 or 24 I was just working for two years I had an office job and that's when I realized oh people just do this they just go to work for whatever job they make whatever money and they go to happy hour happy they, hour then they yes. always then they go yes. then they go, person who um, wants that work like yes. separation yes. Right? balance just and it's separate it separated just by, yeah. it. by several shots of tequila exactly <laughs> yes. right and then they go get chicks and, <laughs> and and like that's they are satisfied just doing that over and over again and then every once in a while they go to like Myrtle Beach or something you know yeah. and they're so happy doing that and, I, and that's kind of why I started comedy because I would just I was like I can't do this yeah. for the rest of my life there's no way I can do this I gotta find something and that's that's when I kind of found comedy thank god but yeah I mean I have a lot of friends who just kind of work and they'd love to travel 
and and yeah, like, that's like but, but it's not like they're traveling like going to jungles and shit. They're like going to Paris and like staying in fancy hotels. So again, they're just kind of like chilling in a different location. <laughs> you know, it's not really so, and and that's fine. I think I don't want to call them passionless people because that sounds rude. But some people's just that's sort of like their thing. Life ex- like bar for life is just lower. Like, yeah, it's this is fine. I always find those people always so uh, you know. I mean, I, I can't really give advice because, like, you know, I have like five dollars in my four hundred one k. Yeah, you know yeah that's these bad. people that's usually bad. doing a lot better than that. They you're always probably, got, you're probably getting fined because this, yeah, the, exactly. I've got negative. <laughs> yeah, but I do remember. Uh, I, I I remember the first like kind of pang that I was like, oh, this is gonna be could be a rough life existence. I remember I had just graduated from college. Yeah, and I went over to my friend's house. Uh, actually, I was about to graduate. Yeah, and my uh, friend, he was older. He had already graduated, so he's working. Yeah, and you know that transition from college to working. Yes, yes, yes. Like yes. what the fuck is going on yeah. here? You're like this. This has got to be fake. This can't be real. Yeah. This is forever. Forever. Right? Forever. Forever. And he came home from work, and it was like around five o'clock. And like, you know, me and his roommates were still in college. So we're like having a good time. We had done nothing all day. Yeah. Right. We were <laughs> we were drinking beers yeah. and like smoking weed and like yeah, yeah. and they were about to go out right now. Yeah. We're about to go out. It's even though it's a Tuesday. Yeah. And he comes home. And he opens up a bag of uh, sausages so that you can get from the grocery store. And he's yeah. like, time to make dinner. And I was sitting there watching him like making that dinner. Yeah. And I was like, he has to go to sleep soon. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, that sucks. Holy you know, he came shit. from work. And this wasn't like, he wasn't, you know, his, his entry level job wasn't the awesomest job in the world. Yeah. Making his sausage making the sausage going to go home you know and i was like damn yeah so you know i mean i was like i was like i gotta get i gotta figure out something you know i don't know so Woo, but man. that that motivation has to come from within you know yeah. there's a yeah. certain point at which I, the biggest lesson that i've learned as a manager i mean the most the biggest staff i ever managed was 80 people and now you know i manage teams of anywhere from two to you know 50 people yeah you can't, and I, you know, I used to teach in the schools too. I taught preschool all the way through high school age. You cannot teach mm-hmm. a person who does not want to learn. Yeah. And you cannot manage a person who does not want to work. Mm-hmm. So not mm-hmm. wanting to work that job, not having a passion, none of those things are inherently problematic. But having no work ethic, yes. right? Yeah. If you don't have a work ethic, it doesn't matter if you work on holidays like, or right, don't work on holidays. Right. If you have or if an you awesome job or not. A, yeah, yeah, or forget even the job itself is awesome. If you gave that person, that so-called passionless person, just a bucket of money and you said just chill, then the person would be bored, right? Yeah. So it's like, it's a it's the domino effect. It, this, if, you're not, if you're not satisfied inside yourself, then no job is going to satisfy. There are jobs that suck. I've had jobs that yes, suck. Yeah, sure. You know, but there's a way to find joy in all of them. One of the things that I, I just have this amazing memory when I went to uh, Montreal for the first time and there were these like three or four people. It was like they were called Sate Brothers. They're really, really cool young Asian guys. If you guys go check them out. And everybody there was singing they were drinking beer and like all they were doing was just like making skewers and like that could be like a totally mediocre shit job right. but they were having the time yeah. of their life yes and so it's that's not so really about the work yeah. i think that's at the end of the day that's the advice for people who think they you know it's like the the like threefold plan it's like first read a book like first you have to decide that that's not for you mm, right like because yeah. the people who have decided that that is for them the nine to five happy hour back to bed maybe go on one or two trips a year mm-hmm. like that's their plan like more power to them yeah if that brings them internal happiness then that's great mm-hmm. right yeah but so you know 
decide that it's not for you or that it is and and just be happy with that choice and you know read a book <laughs> and then learn to work yes. it actually doesn't matter what job yeah, you learn, have learn, learn to, to work, work is interesting yes. I think that's, that's why important. he just needs to do something first and because there are a lot of things you can discover by getting that first job you know oh, like yeah. my first job was at a restaurant I was making desserts in the back and like I had a lot of fun with it I was also young and in college so like even if I got fired it didn't really matter so maybe that's why I was having so much fun but like I met a lot of interesting people and I would say that I don't know if it had a direct influence on my current career, but like you learn a lot about like how responsibility, you learn about responsibility and that's mm-hmm. really important. I think important. every American who who is going to eat out, like if all you do is cook at home, then this doesn't apply to you. Yeah. But if you're going to eat out, I think everybody should have to work in a restaurant mm. and everybody should have to work in a school. I always had this idea that there should be some sort of program kind of like AmeriCorps or Teach for America yeah. where um, once you graduate from school, high school yeah then you have to work at a restaurant at a restaurant <laughs> for one year yeah you know what i'm saying being you know and you have you have to do it for one year yeah everyone yeah and i'm sure you know the uh the, the mitch mcconnell's of the world will be able to get out of it but yeah. like everyone yeah, yeah, else yeah, 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 needs, yeah. To, needs to do it almost like you know like you're you're, you're serving in the army and you should you yes. have to do that those kind of jobs so you can see that's like being a freshman at life right, right? A, and 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 i think a would teach you you know this is how hard you know, it, it can be to work at you know a service job. And then also you should teach you just like, hey, this is, you got to make the best of what you got. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, and you know, if you don't want to do this, that's cool. Get out of there. <laughs> this is a, but you got to do it. <laughs> this sounds like a very like communist thing. I don't know. Why. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're all also, this is just a crazy idea, but maybe we just take all the wealth from the real rich yeah. and redistribute it. Right. That's, also, what this, that's what this kid wants. Special hats. We're all going to wear the same hats. Everybody wears the same hats. These are just ideas I have. No. Are they like, all going to be neon orange like yours? Yeah. Oh, Dude, if I got to if I got to Toronto redesign <laughs> if I got to redesign, redesign a socialist, the, the socialist uniform uniform it would be the so fire. Ultimate creative director role of your lifetime. Oh my god, somebody I didn't go over to China. Hire me and I will redo your uniform. First of all, I like the Mao outfit. A lot of pockets, I like that. Okay? We just need to add a supreme lo- lobo logo right. yep, on the yep, back. Yep, yep. And there you go. That's hilarious. Shouts. <laughs> And that was our episode, everybody. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. Again, our guest today was Simone Jacobson uh, of Chow X. Uh, do you have anything you'd like to plug? Your Twitter handle, Instagram handle, any events coming up? Yeah, so we have uh, two more events in the Chow X series. You can uh, go to MOFAD, M-O-F-A-D dot org, uh, to check out February 22nd is going to be Chow X West Indies. Ooh. And March, the end of March, the last Friday in March, will be uh, Women in Food, so highlighting Chinese and Chinese American women's contributions to food and culture. And uh, yeah, on uh, all the social, we are at Tolly Moly DC. So T O L I M O L I DC. Awesome. Stop by uh, Tolly Moly if you're in DC, guys. Yep. And you can follow us on Instagram at Asian Not Asian Pod. And you can also find us individually. You can find me, Fumi Abe, at The Fumi Abe. That's T H E F U M I A B E. You can find me on Instagram at Nice Pants Bro. And uh, we just want to quickly plug our monthly comedy show, Hack City. The next one's going to be February 27th. 27th. It's going to be the fourth Wednesday, just for this, just for next month. And then we're going to go back to our third Wednesdays. But come out, 8 o'clock, Canal Street Market. It was a blast last time. February 20th. Also sponsored yep, by Owl Brew. So there'll be some alcoholic tea. Oh, okay. Yes, yes. yes. It's a great show. Uh, it's, uh, it's packed. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, and then, of course, on February first, yes, the lunar uh, lunar year event, lunar at, new year at, event, uh, MoMA. 
PS1? Yes. What time is that? It's go- it starts at 7, I believe. 7 to 12. And it goes until midnight. Yes, get your tickets. We're going to put the link in the episode description, so check it out. We're going to be hosting karaoke there. This is what we do to make money. Uh, come out. Come on out. This <laughs> we is don't our make career. Any money to do it <laughs> no, we're not. We're doing it for the press. We're doing um, it. Doing it for the love. Hopefully, we can you know meet some cool Asians, and, and that'll be fun. But uh, yeah, come on out between karaoke. So that's... Uh, Who's... Why, how's not... Yeah. I, I always try to see how long I can... Be cool in, with a bunch with of cool a, Asians right. until they realize that you're not that cool. I'm not cool. That you're just like me. Yeah, they, 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 they go. Wait a minute, this guy <laughs> is really, really into robots. So <laughs> get out of here. Uh, I th- is that it? Is that it? I think so. Okay, and, and just one last thing. Again, we're taking questions of all kinds at our email address. So please, please, please let us know if you want us to answer your stuff. And I think this is either, this is either going to be a bonus content thing or just we're going to do it in the podcast as a regular thing, mailbag style. So yeah, email us at asiannotasianpod at gmail.com. Please find us. And I think that's it, right? Yep. Okay, thank Thanks you, everybody. Again. Bye. Bye.